Welcome to Automated Mobility, the people behind the wheel. In this podcast series, we get to know the experts working in the field of automated mobility. What drives them and how do they think their work contributes to a better mobility system? I am your host, Henriette Cornet, and I am the coordinator of SHOW, a European project testing automated vehicles in real life. SHOW is led by UITP, the International Association of Public Transport. Together with 70 other partners, we investigate a future where mobility is shared, connected and automated. Today's episode, Delphine Gransard from EPF, the European Passengers Federation. Hello Delphine, nice to have you with us today. Hello Henriette, thank you for uh, inviting me. Let me introduce you to the audience. Uh, you are a research officer at EPF. And before coming to uh, your role, the role that EPF has in the project in show, uh, I would like to start with uh, getting to know EPF better. So what is it? And um, I checked a bit online that uh, it is an international non-profit association similar uh, to UITP, I would say. You can tell us more about it. But focusing on passengers and um, with the goal to improve their travel experience across modes. So it's what I've read before coming here. Um, so yeah, tell us more about it. So what, uh, what passengers, what, uh, what is meant with this seamless travel experience, which, which modes are targeted? So tell us more, please. Okay, so yeah, the European Passengers Federation, well, just the name itself, it says really what we are. We, rep we represent the passengers at EU level. And this means really all passengers. So not of one specific mode, but really all modes. So it's from long distance, um, air, rail, bus and coach, but also we consider urban transport and even first and last mile solutions, because in the end, as we all know, we are all passengers at some point. It's really an end-to-end -end journey. So your journey starts when you leave your house and it ends when you arrive at your final destination. And often this involves more than one mode. So this is why we find it also important to, yeah, to try and achieve a more seamless travel experience because that's what people have when they travel by car. They just enter their car, you know, their GPS takes them where they want to go and it's super easy. Um, and so ideally we would like to have a similar, um, yeah, user-friendliness um, and ease of use when people would like to travel in a multimodal way. Mm -hmm. I see. So what does it mean from an association point of view? How can EPF help this travel experience to, be, to get better? So how are you structured and what's your, what's your action, so to say, to, to improve this travel experience? Yeah, so EPF itself is active at EU level, so we are very active um, and, and we are very much involved in all kinds of policy uh, topics like passenger rights, but also um, multimodal digital mobility services. It's a new initiative by the Commission. Um, and in general, I mean, there is a lot of efforts being made at EU level to make multimodal travel more convenient and a more um, easy, easy um, ch choice for people. So that is what we do at EU level. Um, but so it yeah. means, for example, you will 
give advice for um, new regulations? Or what, what does it mean concretely being active at policy level? I think for people not mm -hmm. active in this uh, bubble. Yeah. Well, every time uh, the Commission um, intends to launch a new regulatory initiative, there is a lot of public consultations, there are impact assessment studies, there are stakeholder consultation activities, workshops, uh, interviews, etc. Uh, so this is really a long process and all kinds of stakeholders are being invited to express their views in, in, yeah, in, in this process. And we are really one of them. Um, so we take up this role uh, quite actively. And for example, right now we have um, the Multimodal Passenger Mobility Forum. It's uh, a new stakeholder uh, forum launched by the Commission recently to really discuss how we can make multimodal digital mobility services a reality, basically, and more uh, attractive to users. Um, so there we are also really active. There are some subgroups, and one of them is led by EPF together with Buke, the, the EU-level consumer representation. Uh, so this is an example of what we do. We also have uh, had several reviews of passenger rights regulations in the past years. Uh, and again, there we are also very active to, um, to express our views, what we think is needed to improve the existing regulations, what the shortcomings are. And yeah, just uh, to, to make sure that passengers' views are adequately be being taken into account. Because in the end, you know, the end user is always the weaker side of the contract because yeah, we are um, alone. But I, on the other hand, we are also many, so we are important. So this is what EPF does, but of course this is at EU level, but at national level and regional level, um, our members are active. So this is also really very important. Um, who, who are they? Who are these yeah. uh, members? So our members are also passenger organizations representing really the end users of public transport in their country or in their region. And some of our members are also umbrella federations like EPF. So they have, for example, in Germany, um, there are several um, departments of POBAN, for example. Um, and we have the same in Denmark where we have Passager um, Pulsen, who also has uh, organized several passenger councils across the country um, and they really, their members are then often end users. So there's then the direct link, our members are organizations, but our members' members are mm -hmm. often, not always, but often the real passengers. And so they really directly interact then with national or local authorities when public transport is being planned, for example, the schedules or the routes, new new uh, legislation as well, passenger advisory boards, things like that. And uh, when you say the passengers, um, I can imagine, and because it's also our approach uh, in show and when we are working on a mobility project, is to consider all passengers. And is it something that uh, you, you look at at EPF to be sure that, let's say, you don't address only the commuters, but all kind of, uh, of people? Yeah, this is really an important point because, like you mentioned, uh, and you know also from UITP side, I guess, that the focus is very much on commuters in public transport, which makes sense in a way because, you know, there are... Uh, 
this is also what causes congestion if commuters take their cars. So we want to attract them to public transport. But on the other hand, um, these are not the only users. So and every user is different. Well, we all we also have needs. We also have user needs that are universal, let's say. So we all want safe, uh, safe, tra safe travel, affordable, comfortable, and so on. But yeah, still looking at different user groups, they might have different priorities. So it is really important to take into account and um, also to make sure that the people who need it most are also considered like people with a low income, people with a disability need accessible public transport. Also perhaps women is more worth mentioning uh, because they tend to have a bit uh, different travel patterns from men. They, they are often the ones who take the children to school or to uh, activities uh, and to, to errands and so on. So they have more irregular um, travel patterns that are most uh, more often outside the peak hours. So they need a little bit uh, other schedules and so on. Um, elderly people, can, I can mention migrants and ethnic minorities because they perhaps have language issues as well. Um, children and not to forget also people who lack digital skills because we see mm -hmm. a lot of uh, developments that focus on digitalization and automation which yeah. we will speak about we'll, yeah, later. Exactly. Um, but it's important to make sure that we don't leave anyone behind and that we can think also, that we also think about how these developments can benefit users who are more vulnerable and who really need public transport because maybe they have no other alternative to travel. Um, so we cannot lose them and we need to make sure that they can get to wherever they want to go or need mm -hmm. to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's... Uh, I think that makes very clear why EPF is in the project and why we, we really need um, yeah, such approach in the project so that when we develop the, um, automated vehicles, we are sure. I, I really like the way you formulated it. So we are sure no one is left behind. So we are sure we, uh, are, everyone can use the system and it can benefit most of the, most of the citizens. Going uh, more uh, now to your role, to what you are doing. So what do you do at uh, EPF? So, so how many? You are you are a small team, right? I understood that. Uh, yeah, yeah. We are a small team, so we we have only a few uh, employees, but we do have uh, a lot of extra hands, let's say, or minds uh, that work along. We have our, our management board, which is uh, which consists of uh, representatives of our member organizations, basically. And we have also regular meetings with the member organizations. We have general meetings. Uh, we have also an annual conference. This year's conference was in Copenhagen just last week. So we were really happy to have one after three years uh, live. This was really good to see everyone again. Um, so yeah, this is um, how we how we um, how we work. And what I do personally, I work on research projects like Show, which we will speak about. And yeah, in the past I worked on some others, obviously. Uh, and I also work on uh, policy files like passenger rights, or as I mentioned, on multimodal digital mobility. I see. Thanks. Um, yeah, I would say let's uh, let's go to the to the next chapter, so to say, of the of the episode and speak a little bit about um, show, uh, meaning. So 
first what I would like to mention to the audience is when I so when I started when I joined UATP, show was already there, I would say. I wasn't I did not contribute to the proposal writing. And what I could directly realize, to be honest, and I think we had this discussion before, this project is still very tech-oriented. It's uh, There is a lot of technical developments, which I love because I'm an engineer, so I'm very happy to hear about vehicle developments, like everything about uh, vehicles, infrastructure, connectivity, and so all these topics, so I'm quite excited about it. But there is this social aspects that for me needs to need to be more focus I mean like I would wish a project uh, to have really uh, a larger focus of users maybe also at the end we can I would like to hear some advice from you uh, how projects should um, have more of this user engagement but still um, despite the fact that show is very tech technology oriented, there is this user engagement strategy in it and I, I think that's very, very important and with everything that will come in the coming years, uh, all the vehicles now running on the road and everything, we will have more and more interaction with the passengers, with the citizens in the city and I, I believe that this uh, strategy would be even more uh, important. So, can you tell us a bit um, how, what is this strategy? Uh, in the show project, what are the plans to interact with the uh, users, with the citizens, what has been done already, so future plans, so a bit in, in a general view on the user engagement strategy in the show project. Yep, so I completely agree that user engagement is important. Uh, we have all these technological developments and the question is how much technology do we need and what's in it for the end users and what's in it for society as a whole as well. So it's important to ask these questions and in show, indeed, it's, there's a lot of uh, technical focus, which is normal because we are still developing mm -hmm. everything and there are issues to, that we are confronted with. Yeah, we need the mature technology. So without yeah. having this technology, I mean, then we cannot use it. So, But I think it's good to involve the end users already in, the, in an early stage so they can also give feedback on the... Yeah, how how it is right now, even if, you know, we have not reached the ultimate level of maturity that we are aiming for yet, because then there's still possibilities to adapt uh, and take into account uh, the feedback. Um, so this is, I think, really good. Um, in show, well, what we are responsible for the overall user engagement activities, um, well, coordinating them a little bit and monitoring them and uh, where possible uh, supporting the show uh, demonstration sites in their engagement strategies. Um, so for us, we we, um, yeah, we we developed some guidelines to help the sites develop uh, such a strategy. Um, and I think there are a few important steps um, to consider. First of all, I think we need to know who we are dealing with, so mm -hmm. who are your end users and also who are your stakeholders, which is different for each site. We have some show sites that are um, a hospital site, for example, so then we have 
the employees of the hospital, but we also have the patients. Um, we have, for example, um, business sites. Um, we have first and universities. last universities. So there are really different scenarios, and in each scenario, we can think of different uh, end user groups and also different kinds of. Um, Stakeholders, for example, then the businesses in this area, the university, the hospital, uh, and so on. So this is the first step, I think. Really think about who is involved, who are the potential users of this service, and reach out to them and explain what you are trying to do. And um, in show, we have uh, the demo boards in... Mm -hmm almost all sites, I think. And it consists of the main stakeholders at each site. So there are regular discussions. So I think this is really good. Um, so yeah, this is, I think, the first main step to take. And then, of course, um, there are different levels of engagement. So first step is really communicating about what we are doing. Um, so this is more one way, I would say. So we inform end users about show. Um, this is important, of course. Uh, we it's can... not easy, right? I mean, yeah. I, I feel always a bit complicated. I mean, if I feel it, it's e always easier to talk to experts, so to say, than to people who really come from somewhere else. And I'm always amazed. I, I love doing this exercise, but I'm always amazed of the, the questions that came back, you know, like, people really asking, why? Why are you doing this? So do we really need this? Like really putting things in questions. Although um, in the project, we take it for granted that we want this technology and confronting with the end users help us remind, ah, okay, do we really need it? Like it, it helps to, to really refocus and to, exactly as you said at the beginning, I like it to say like, what is the, the real benefit for the society, for the user? So I, but what I wanted to say, it's, it's very hard to communicate to users. I don't know if you have techniques or way to, to, to translate yeah. what we are doing uh, into beneficial uh, aspects for, for them. Mm -hmm. I think communication, if you just consider it as a, more as a one-way street, as a first uh, step towards end users, I think it's not that hard in the sense that you can use a lot of different channels. You can use posters and, and flyers and, you know, you have uh, cooperation often with the public transport operators who can also like advertise, advertise yeah. uh, the service on their website or at public transport stops and, and similar. Um, I think the main challenge is to go a little bit further than that and have like a more two-way mm -hmm. um, feedback loop and really ask. Discussion, yeah, dialogues. Also get really feedback, as you mentioned, from the end users. Like not only say, okay, we are doing this, but get the feedback from them. What is? What are your thoughts on that? What are we missing? What do we need to take into account? And... Um, this is really a next important step in engagement because otherwise it's just communication. It's not engagement in my view. And there are many different activities that you can do and we suggested also some of them to the pilot sites and many will do similar, um, well, the, the, the sites... Um, 
they are considering different activities. So we have, for example, just focus groups, which is kind of basic, but still very, very relevant. What is this? It's just, it's, it's a group of people, actually, that you can choose depending on, you know, which uh, outcomes, uh, which uh, input you would like. So it can be, for example, a group of people with a disability, a group of elderly people, a group of children, or a mix of all of them. And that you present some scenarios or maybe you can even let people use the service first and then gather their feedback and have really an open discussion um, and gather their thoughts. So this is... Mm -hmm. So our, focus group, yeah. what yeah. else? Um, what else we are planning in show is what we call ideatons. Um, so this is a bit more creative even. Um, for me, it's a bit of a general term. It could be any kind of um, creative activity to gather some ideas from end users. And we did already uh, one ideaton in show um, um, in 2020, I think, at the beginning of 2020. And a then virtual idea. A virtual <laughs> one, yeah. So uh, unfortunately, we had to do it online due to uh, COVID, obviously. Um, but um, the idea was really to gather some ideas on how to solve certain problems that we might have, challenges really. Uh, so what we did was we presented these challenges to our audience, uh, which was a mix actually of representatives of different stakeholder groups, including also end users, like um, we had uh, representatives of elderly people, of people with a disability, also of people walking, people cycling, because um, maybe they will not directly use the AV service, but they will be confronted with it, uh, with it on the road. So this is also con important to consider their perspective. How will the, the automated vehicle interact with other vulnerable road users? So we presented these challenges. And for example, one of the challenges is that um, I think in, in general, one of the major challenges for AV in general uh, is how to ensure that there's still someone who will help you if you need mm -hmm. help. So where's the human factor? Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah. Okay. So for example, you are in the AV alone and uh, there is a heartbreak, something like that, and you fall and or someone fall and hurt. Yeah, uh, exactly. Him or herself yeah. or yeah. an aggression yeah. or this That's type of uh, scenarios, happen. right? Yeah. yeah. How so, do you get uh, get get the help you need yeah and so there are different possibilities to solve this problem we for example we thought about having like uh, an emergency button a screen also of course then you have privacy uh, concerns perhaps but um, there's always someone in the control center monitoring mm -hmm. what's happening with the with camera yeah even mm -hmm. if there's no one no personnel on board which, by the way, right now there is someone mm -hmm. on board still. There are safety drivers because we are still testing. But, I mean, in the end, ultimately, it will be without uh, assistance on board. So what we were thinking, for example, could also be like a mobile, mobile intervention team or person who can really yeah, monitor what's going on on the AVs in a certain area and who can really respond quickly and be there in a matter of minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, this would really be reassuring uh, to passengers. But also, broader than just really the safety aspect, it's also about 
just knowing how to use the service. Like, how do I know when I arrive at my stop? How do I book the service and so on? It seems quite obvious, but sometimes it's not. So for people who use public transports or AVs for the first time, we need to make sure that it's that's mm-hmm. it's it's, uh, it's clear User to everyone and, yeah, how yeah, yeah. to use it mm-hmm. because also in show we see many differences sometimes you have to book it in advance sometimes you need to register if you want to use the service uh, sometimes you need to pay sometimes not so this is just things that you need to know in advance yeah. so we need to make and sure that came, it's clear uh, yeah. and this came during the IJathon right that was something that people worked Uh, together on. Yeah, so the the human assistance in case something goes wrong, this is a topic that we worked on. Another topic, for example, was capacity. So sometimes um, we, we ha- well, we have this in public transport in general. We have peak hours where we need a lot of vehicles and we have a lot of people traveling. And then at certain other moments, we have less people. And so... Um, What one of the advantages of AVs could be that if you see there's not enough capacity, that another additional vehicle could be sent out, um, mm-hmm. yeah, to transport more people in a in a comfortable adapting, way, adapting dynamically to the demand. Yeah, exactly. Demand. So this was also something we we were thinking about. Okay, um, so this get more technical, right? Yeah, I mean, they, this was we're also interested in in such aspect of having really a, yeah. a good service in terms yeah. of planning yeah. and. Uh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it can be really um, such a, an, an ID gathering session can be about anything. Eh? If some show pilot sites experience certain challenges in Tampere, for example, um, temperatures are very low, there's a lot of snow. So maybe they will experience challenges that are different from other sites. And um, yeah, this is just one example. In the hospital site, you have people who are, yeah, sick probably or you have uh, a lot of people probably with reduced mobility as well maybe temporary or permanent um, so these are all things to take into account and um, in, the, in the course of the project we plan to do um, more of such events mm-hmm. um, so we will see what comes up what the challenges are that the sites are experiencing but we are inviting them to organize similar ID gathering sessions mm-hmm. so we can have creative solutions to such problems. And so when uh, once you have the um, ideas uh, gathered at the end of this ideathon, what happened with these ideas? Well, some of these ideas, maybe sometimes ideas can be really simple and then it's easy to implement. Um, it's just, you know, giving better information, for example, or really adapting small things. Um, and then we can just maybe implemented even during show in the in the project uh, quite easily and also interesting to mention is that in show we also plan hackathons which are developing uh, development actions really with um, it can be software solutions but maybe also other kinds of uh, solutions uh, like business models or communication campaigns or whatever but the focus is mostly on IT um, and we had also one hackathon already um, which focused on the same challenges that we had identified in the ideathon so the idea is really to find solutions to the challenges that mm-hmm. we identify and where possible 
also we would like to develop them further and really make a product out of it that we can then introduce also in the show marketplace. Maybe you can explain mm -hmm. better than me what, <laughs> what exactly that is. Um, so, but the thing is that we would like to see some of these ideas also, if possible, implemented to some extent in practice ultimately. Yeah, so directly in the demo site, on the demo site or so on, or as a separate service or product. It is what you meant with this marketplace, which can be, it's a bit like eBay for automated uh, mobility services, something like that. So I will put the link in the description of the episode. You can have a look at this marketplace that will be uh, open very soon. And you go there and you can kind of buy or order service uh, for your own mobility system if you deploy uh, automated vehicles or maybe so similar services. So that's, that's the idea and this hackathon will help with that. So ideathon uh, with passengers or passenger representatives, really focusing on the people that will use the service, um, creating ideas and these ideas will be further developed within or are further developed and have been in hackathons from developers. So in hackathons there is no end users anymore. And, but it's really putting these ideas into concrete services and products. Yeah, this is uh, what, we were, what we aim to achieve anyway. Mm -hmm. so. But in parallel to this, there is also, uh, I would say, the, the traditional kind of uh, survey questionnaires and everything. Maybe you can also tell us about it because, of course, we want to talk directly to people and organize workshops and citizens' dialogues, but we also do the, the, the common, the very common approach of, uh, I, I think... Everywhere, whatever we do with a hotel or a flight, we give feedback. This mm. will happen as well, right? Yeah, this will also happen. And we have actually a number of surveys going on in show, quite many actually. Um, but the main two are firstly the what we call the a priori acceptance surveys. So that's open to basically everyone who wants to give their opinion about automated mobility. And so we ask people what their thoughts are, whether they would be willing to use an automated vehicle and in which circumstances and what their general opinion is about it and maybe which barriers they experience. And so this is really open to the general public who have or have not used yet such, uh, such a service. I will also put the link in the, in yeah, the description yeah, and everyone is welcome to answer these questions because for us it's always important to know a bit like what understanding, what uh, perception do people have mm -hmm. even if they haven't used yet yeah. an uh, automated vehicle. Yeah, exactly. And then in addition, we also have uh, the acceptance surveys um, which... Um, will be conducted at all the show demonstration sites. But these then are really aimed at the people who are using the show services. So it's to get people's feedback on this specific service. And this is why there are also separate surveys, well, the same questions or mostly the same questions, but you know that we can see which responses came from which side because they really refer directly to the specific service. And this is really to learn um, how people experience the service and what can be improved. 
Um, so yeah, this is um, we will conduct such service um, in the beginning of the demonstration and at near the end of the demonstration also to see if people's um, experience has changed in this period. Yeah, maybe good to repeat to remind uh, people that what is part what is specific in the show project and quite unique is that we will have demonstrations. So this having AVs on the road for a long duration. So it's several months. So we hope really that people can get used to them, that can that they can be integrated to their uh, everyday lives. That would be very nice if we can read that. So we will have probably this at the beginning, so this before-after, so to say usage, where people start using it, have the first uh, surprises maybe, but after a while they will tell us, okay, how was it after a few months? So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, to see uh, yeah, how it goes and this over not only as an entertainment, you know, as some exhibition, exhibition sometimes you have such shutters, but like you use it for your, for doing your groceries or going to school. That would be cool. If, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, indeed. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it has been shown that, you know, making people more familiar with some new service, it also adds to user acceptance. So we will see and how far this also goes for the show services, whether we see a difference in, in the beginning or at the end of the demo. Um, so what else to mention is that, um, maybe some good examples from some show pilot sites um, of their engagement activities. Um, like, for example, in Tampere again, they did a lot of good work with the accessibility working group, mm -hmm. um, which is active locally. And so they really gathered people's feedback on how to make the service more accessible, which right now it's not really. Um, but it can be simple things like, you know, making sure that the, the, the seats are in the direction of the, mm -hmm. of, of how the, 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 the driving, is driving. Um, yeah, of course, yeah, step-free access is an important uh, issue, but also in, in general, yeah, you can also think about people with a visual impairment, um, you know, how to, how to make sure they can recognize the bus stop, they can recognize the button to ask for a stop and things like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, moving on, moving on uh, with uh, with our with our discussion, and we are we are slowly heading towards the end of this episode. Um, I'd like to ask people um, their opinion a bit, their personal opinion. And since you are working in this field now, uh, within the show project and other projects, I'm sure. Um, what do you think about uh, automated mobility? So, do you see them around in the in the ideal in an ideal city? Uh, or maybe not in the city, but somewhere else. So, what? Uh, well, yeah, what's your vision regarding the mobility of tomorrow, and are EVs part of it? Well, we need to avoid always a technology push and really focus on. I'm repeating myself. <laughs> what's in it for the end users and what's in it for society? So, I think EVs can have benefits. They can make in the future mobility maybe safer, more affordable, more sustainable. And so we can only support, uh, support this when it's, uh, when it's uh, the case. Yeah, when but deployed in the right way. Yeah, exactly. So 
but then we need to also make sure that, for example, it is uh, shared because if people would use automated vehicles by themselves, then it will not really solve mm -hmm. any congestion issues. Yeah, we mentioned it in previous episodes already. Yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of obvious, but, but we shouldn't forget yep. because yeah, otherwise we will create new problems, you know. So um, also accessibility is really important, I think, because... As we see now, such shuttles are often deployed on short distances, which might change in the future, by the way. But for now, it's often to cover like one or two kilometers. And this is a distance you can just normally do on foot or by bicycle, unless you have reduced mobility. But if your shuttle is then not accessible, then, you know, it doesn't mm -hmm. benefit the people who really should take yeah. it and need to take it. So these kind of questions really need to be asked before thinking about uh, introducing automated uh, shuttles. But yeah, it can have benefits, but yeah. Let's see what's there, <laughs> how, how it takes us and how we can contribute to it. And also not to forget uh, the human touch. Um, even though, you know, automation can bring a lot of uh, benefits, people will just sometimes still want to speak to someone if they have really a question, if they have an emergency, if they need some help, if something happens, they fall. There can be a lot of situations where this is still needed, especially if you think about vulnerable groups. So this really is something to address. And... The drivers could also take up, the people who are now driving public transport could perhaps also take up another role um, in public transport. They could, you know, help people, assist them, just be present, see if there are any problems. Or um, I see this really um, as an opportunity as well to be more customer friendly. So a driver has to drive and focus only on driving. Whereas if you can have someone, maybe not constantly, but occasionally on board um, to see, okay, is everything all right with everyone? Then you can really have a more personal um, contact and really, yeah. Yeah, still a very human uh, service. Mm -hmm. So that uh, I like this vision of saying, okay, I think a world, you know, a future vision of a world only with machines around us and the, and we are kind of following what the machines are telling us to do mm. and whatever. It's kind of a nightmare, a dystopia. So how, like it would be nice if we can think of having automation really serving people and really still with a human touch. So having the benefit through more, safe, uh, more safety and as you said, everything I'm just repeating, like uh, making it more affordable, but still with some human touch. I, I really like uh, emphasizing it and having uh, to keep it in mind when, when we are developing all these services. Well, thank you very much, Delphine. It was a very nice uh, dialogue. Um, I wanted to say I wish you good luck for all your uh, endeavors in the, in the project, but we will collaborate on that. I will support you as much as I can to have this uh, dialogue, citizens' dialogue happening, to be really present at demo events and connect with the end users and gather as many insights as we can. And I'm looking forward uh, to... to to get in to getting in touch with the with the people and uh, uh, we are very glad to have to having you on board in the project and yeah looking forward for further collaboration okay likewise thank you bye bye thanks for listening to automating mobility the people behind the wheel 
This podcast would not have been possible without the support from the Horizon 2020 program by the European Commission under the grant agreement number 875530. Check out the links for the show project and other references in the description of the episode and subscribe to our newsletter to stay tuned. Don't hesitate to share this episode or give us feedback to it. My name is Henriette Cornet from UITP and I hope to see you at our next episode.